0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Today we've got one verse, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6. And so we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there and turn to page 140 in the Pew Bible. That's page 140 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, then please take that Pew Bible with you. That's our gift to you. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, looking at verse 6. Uh, this is kind of a continuation of last week's message message uh last week remember we started out motives matter and motives do matter they certainly matter uh, the motives behind what we do and the things that we do they they really truly matter uh think about this imagine you're you're sitting at home one night and someone just barges in your your front door right you you have that shock what in the world is going on and motives matter right because if that person is barging in your front door to rob you that motive matters right you're you're going to be defending yourself you're going to want to seek justice for a crime right that motive matters but if that person barges in your door and says fire fire get out of the house fire fire right your attitude towards that person changes dramatically doesn't it now they're trying to save your life and and now you might want to give them a reward right for for coming in and telling you warning you about a fire that uh that's taking place in your house right and, and helping you get out of the house motives matter and motives certainly matter when it comes to our living in obedience to the will of god Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus warns, Beware of practicing your righteousness before, others, uh, before other people in order be, to be seen by them. Right? That's the motive. In order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So, motives matter. Even when living in obedience to the will of God, if you have the wrong motives, that obedience means nothing. That obedience is disobedience. Motives matter. Our motives matter. Therefore, we need to make sure our obedience is grounded in the right motives. Motives are certainly important when it comes to obeying God's law right cuz that's what we're we're about to dig into God's law that's where Moses is going here in Deuteronomy as we move to the next passage we're going to get into the 10 commandments and then from the 10 commandments we're going to get into uh, some more specific stipulations some more sp- specific rules and so as he is getting into these things he wants to make sure hey living in obedience to his law it's not just about you know pleasing God it's not just about uh, uh, you know building up merit and all of these kinds of things you need to have the right motives for obeying these commandments and so he's grounding the whole law in right motives and so last week we began this and we we heard the voice of Moses last week and uh, Moses last week told us that uh, God's self-revelation motivates obedience God's self-revelation because God has revealed himself right in a specific way he's revealed himself in a general way through his creation but that general revelation isn't enough to save us it's only enough to condemn us for living in disobedience to him it's only enough to condemn us for rejecting him and worshiping the things of the world instead of the creator of the world but God in his grace and his mercy has revealed himself in a specific way through his word through the words of the prophets and the apostles through the written word that we have preserved for us today he has revealed himself in a specific way and and because of that grace uh, we that should lead us to obey God but today as we we continue on to this next little verse here we hear the voice of God right Moses is reminding us what God said Uh, he's reminding the Israelites more specifically what god said back there on mount sinai when he first established his covenant with them and so this passage is the very word of god the word of god that came out from the mountain uh, when god made this covenant with israel so we're going to hear that and even god now he he wants to make sure that obedience is grounded in right motives and so he's, he's giving them the israelites the motive for their obedience and we need to hear this we need to hear this we need to understand that because just like it was for the israelites as we live in obedience to god's word we live in obedience to his will we need to make sure that our motives are right right we need to make sure our obedience is grounded in right motives and so today god's voice Gives us this other important motive, and, and it 's similar to it 's connected to last week 's motive but but it 's more specifically focused on on this god 's grace motivates obedience god 's grace his loving grace motivates obedience. Now we can say his revel- self revelation is a grace for sure, but now we 're going to get into some more specifics about God's grace and how God's grace motivates our obedience. And we see, we're going to see here three aspects. In this one verse, we're going to see three aspects of God's grace that motivates obedience. Three aspects of God's grace that's, that motivates or should motivate our obedience to God's will. And so I know it's just one verse, but still I ask you, if you found your place there in Deuteronomy, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of god's holy word deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 6 hear the word of the lord i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery let's pray heavenly father lord we thank you for your holy inspired and inerrant word and lord we pray that from your word you would teach us, Lord, the magnificence of your grace. Uh, Let us see the wonder of your grace. And out of that grace, oh Lord, motivate us, give us a heart to live in obedience to your word. Oh Father, let let us have right motives. Let us have right motives. Don't let it be about all of the things that it could be. But Lord, let us focus in on the right motives. Lord, let your grace motivate our life of obedience. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we consider this verse here, uh, the first aspect of God's grace that motivates obedience is this god is our is your gracious creator right god is your gracious creator out of his grace he created you and me we are here because of god's grace he graciously created us and and we see that in the first little little phrase there in, in this verse i am the lord your god I am the Lord, your God, Lord in all capital letters. That means this is the proper name of God. Uh, Some people transliterate this name as Yahweh. uh, But we see it here in in the Old Testament in all caps, Lord in all caps. It's Yahweh. It is the the proper name of the Lord. And where we we get this, where we kind of begin to understand this better is if we go back to Exodus chapter 3 exodus chapter 3 and there in verses 13 and 15 of exodus chapter 3 this is where moses goes out and he's he's out he's tending his flocks right he's tending the sheep and he looks up and there on the mountain there's a bush and it's on fire but it's not burning up Right? It's still got the leaves on it, and it looks healthy, but it's on fire. And so that, of course, you know, he's curious about that. And so he goes up to the burning bush, and there the Lord speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. And he says, Moses, take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. So Moses is in the presence of the Lord. And so the Lord tells Moses there, he says, I'm sending you to, to my people. Right, the Israelites, they're in Egypt, they're in bondage, they're in slavery, and I've heard their cries, their prayers to me, and I'm sending you to them to bring them up out of Egypt. And Moses said, "But Lord, if I go down there to, to send them to, to get your people, if I go out to, up there to, to rescue them from slavery, who do I say has sent me?" And so there we pick up here in Exodus. Chapter 3, verse 13, and there we see, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you and God also said to Moses, say, uh, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And so here the Lord connects that Uh, phrase i am who i am to the proper name of yahweh and and you miss of course you miss this in the english translation but if you look at the the hebrew translation you see that these two words are are related to one another they're almost the same word and so yahweh is just kind of a slight modification on the hebrew word uh, that stands for i am and so, that, that proper name is a, a modification of I am. God says, my name is I am. Now, that's important for us to understand. What is he saying in saying, my name is I am? You see, God is the God who, he's, he's not I was, he's not I will be, he is I am. And he's always I am. He's the same God yesterday as he will be tomorrow and the same God that he is today. You see, we see here that God is eternal in this name. We see and understand that God is eternal. He is eternal God. He always exists. He always exists. He is the eternal God. There's never been a time when God was not. And there never will be a time in which God is not. He is, I am. He is, I am. And by the way, that also means he is never changing. You can write that in. This is not on the list there. But he's never changing. He's never changing. He's always the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the same God. He never changes we change right we transform we change I'm not the same Richard that I was when I graduated high school I'm different because I've changed over the years I'm not the same Richard as I was five or six years six years ago when I came here right even in six years I've changed I'm a little bit different I've grown a little older I've uh, developed more And, and we change but God never changes he's always I am he never changes he never changes God is the eternal God and God is independent. He is independent. He is an independent God. He is I am. He doesn't depend on anything. He doesn't depend on anything. He doesn't depend on you and me. God's not dependent on, on us. Some people have, have rationed that, that God created man because God needed companionship. No he didn't no he didn't absolutely he did not he is a triune god he had a relationship in eternity past before he ever created anything god didn't need to create anything to have a relationship he doesn't need us he doesn't depend upon us we don't feed into him any way what shape, shape any way shape form or fashion we don't he doesn't need us he is completely totally independent he is i am He is I am. That also means that God is source. He is source. He is the source. He is the source of of all, of life, of everything that exists. God is the source of it. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and we see this spelled out for us. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 4, these are the generations, this is after uh, chapter 1, you know, kind of gives the whole creation account. And now he comes into chapter 2 and he says in chapter 2 verse 4, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord, Yahweh, God, made the earth and the heaven. God is the source of all creation. He created it all. He is the eternal, independent, never-changing God who created Is the source of all of life. He is the source of all of life, of my life and your life. He is the source of all of life. And, you know, this is where uh, the uh, um, evolutionists, they kind of get messed up, right? Because they really can't explain where life came from. They really can't. Uh, they go all the way back, right? You, you take evolution all the way back to the one little atom or the one little cell. That uh, w- where did that cell come from? Well, it came from this 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 ooze, right? This this muck, and this muck got together, and just right kind of particles got the right. At together at the right time and they created this cell. Well, where did all the ooze and the muck come from? Well, well, you go back and there was a, a big bang, right? There was a big bang that happened and, and all of the universe came into existence. Well, well, what caused the big bang? I don't know. Right? Th- that's as far as they can, can take, take you because you know nothing comes from nothing, right? Everything must come from something. But evolutionists, they can't get there, right? They can't figure out how did the first matter, what brought the first matter into existence, what brought those balls of matter that collided and made the Big Bang, what created those, what, what brought those into existence, and, and they have no answer. But the Bible does. The Bible does. The Bible tells us there's an eternal God who is independent, self-existent, never-changing, who has the power to speak and bring the material world into existence. He's not a material being. He's a spirit. He created all the material world. The Bible has the explanation. Scripture tells us that our eternal, never-changing, independent God is the source of all creation. And by the way, let me just throw this one in there. That also means that he is the source of all truth. He is the source of all truth so all the scientists today that say the bible is not truth uh uh-uh god is the source of all truth anything that is true it comes from god ultimately he is the source of all truth therefore the morality that is being uh, thrown upon us today in our culture that is not truth that is not truth that is a lie from the devil the bible is the source of all truth because god is the source of all truth jesus tells us in john 17 17 praying for us he says sanctify them in truth father sanctify them in truth your word is truth god is our creator he is the source of our very existence you know, in the book of Job, I've been reading through the book of Job this week in my, my devotions. And in Job, you get there down there to the end of Job, and, and God comes around, and he begins to rebuke Job. And in essence, he says, Job, who are you to question me? Like Job's been questioning God, like, God, I, 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 I want to stand before you. I want to plead my case before God. And, and finally, God shows up and says, Job, who are you? Who are you? And I love this. Job 38, 34 through 35 says, Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of water may cover you? Can you do that, Job? I can. Can you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Job, have you ever called lightning and they answer you? I have because God is God he is the source of all life he is source of of all of creation all of creation you know think about this all of creation obeys the voice of God except fallen angels the devil and all of his demons and fallen man we are the only ones who disobey the will of God We are the only ones who actively disobey the will of God. You should desire to obey God because He is your gracious creator. He created you. He gave you life. He gave you being. He sustained your life daily out of His love, out of His mercy, out of His kindness. You know, think about this. He created your life. And therefore, he knows what is best for you. He knows what he created you for. And so when his word tells you, thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that, it is for your benefit. God's not being a cruel God. He's not trying to to keep you from the pleasures of the world. He's trying to protect you. He's trying to give you good life, a blessed life. When we take matters into our own hands, when we decide to not do what God says to do and to do the things that God tells us not to do, that's where we get messed up. That's where we get messed up. God knows what's best for us. He created us. He certainly knows more about what's best for us than we do. As our gracious gracious creator, we ought to obey God. Knowing that He lovingly and graciously created us. So you obey God's will because God is your gracious creator. Second, you obey God's will because God is your gracious pursuer. God is your gracious pursuer. We're talking about, you know, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, right? Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and a lot of married couples here, some who are not married, you're not married yet, but, but you're, you're, you're dating and serious and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, we all remember, especially us husbands and wives, there was a time when we weren't married. and Husbands, you pursued your wife, didn't you? I mean, in that pursuit, you you acted a little bit different, didn't you? You you pursued your wife. You, You talked real sweet to her. Maybe you opened the door for her. You're a gentleman. You pursued her. You sought her. You wanted to win her heart. You pursued her. You know what? God pursues us. He is the one who pursues us. He seeks us. He chases us. He wants to woo us, right? He pursues us. In our text, he says there, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I brought you out the land of egypt to the israelites he said i pursued you you were there in slavery and i came to you i pursued you you back up to genesis chapter 12 and 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 he calls abraham out of ur right He, he calls abraham abraham's just there doing his own thing and god says hey abraham come follow me follow me i want to take you to a land that i'm going to give you Abraham wasn't pursuing God. Other texts actually indicate that Abraham was probably a pagan. Worshipping other gods. And God came down to him. God pursued him. And I want you to know that God pursues us. He is the one who pursued you. In fact, Scripture tells us that in our relationship with God, God initiated the relationship our relationship is God initiated whatever relationship we have with God it is God initiated did you know that by our very nature by your very nature let me be specific by your very nature you cannot and will not pursue God scripture tells us that plainly romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 11 and paul here is quoting psalms chapter 14 1 through 3 paul says there as it is written none is righteous no not one so no one is righteous no one of us none of us have a righteous bone in our body and then notice what he says there in verse 11 no one understands no one seeks for god No one seeks for God. He doesn't say most don't seek God. He doesn't say some don't seek God. He is very clear. It is clear in the Greek too, by the way. It is very clear in the Greek. No one, no one, no one seeks for God. You did not seek God you didn't do it you don't have it in you to seek God you are a depraved human being you were born in sin you were born unrighteous you were born an enemy of God you did not pursue God God pursued you god pursued you had god not pursued you you would have never come to salvation had god not pursued you you would have never ever ever known god in a loving relationship god pursued you My john one or excuse me first john 419 we sang a verse there from first john but first john 419 We love because God first loved you. We love because God first loved us. God enables us to love out of His pursuit for us because He pursues us. He sets His love upon us. And pursues us. Now we're able to, out of His love, we're able to love Him. And to receive Him. And to enter into a relationship with Him. But it's not because we pursued Him. God pursued us. He set His love upon us. And pursued us. And this is how God loves us. This is how He pursued us. 1 John 4, 10, back up a few verses. And this is love. Not Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, that is to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us, and He pursued us, and this is how He pursued us. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on the cross for our sins so that we could receive forgiveness, so that we could receive salvation in Christ. He pursued us. And His love and His grace and His mercy while we were yet sinners, God pursued us by sending his son Jesus to die for us. Our relationship with God is God-initiated. Furthermore, our relationship with God is a personal relationship. It is a personal relationship. We, we talked about this last time, but we see it here again. It is a personal relationship that, that we have with God. Notice Again. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. It's a personal relationship. It is a personal relationship. As I said last week, he's not the God of grandma and grandpa and mama and daddy. He is my God. He is your God. He pursued you. He sought you. To not just be in a general relationship, but to be in a personal relationship where you can know God. He knows you, but you can know God. You can seek God. You can have a personal relationship with God. An intimate relationship with God. You know, every, every day... I get we we talk about emails today not letters but uh, email I get tons of emails every day and and they just roll in roll in and so every day or maybe every other day for me sometimes it's uh, I, i sit down on my computer and I just have to go through there and delete 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 and I just kind of get in a a run right I delete 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 and every now and again I'll uh, oops wait a minute I need that one that was from somebody I know and so I have to go back to my trash bin there and dig that one back out because I want that one because why because that was that that email was somebody I know it was from someone I know someone I had a relationship with and I need to read it I need to see what they have to say so we get a lot of junk mail, but hey, when you get an email or a letter from your loved one, oh, you take time to read it. Like when Mary Beth sends me an email or she buys me a card. maybe she'll buy me a card tomorrow for Valentine's and she gives me that card, right? I'm going to open it up and I'm going to read every word of it, right? Because that's from my love. I want to see what she has to tell me because we have a relationship a personal personal intimate relationship God wants to have a personal intimate relationship with you He pursued you to enter into a personal relationship with you so that when you read God's word yes it is God's word to the church but it's also God's word to you to you God's relationship is God, God initiated, and, and he wants it to be a personal relationship. Dear church, you should desire to live in obedience to God's will because God graciously pursued you and called you out of darkness into his glorious light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Live in obedience to God's will because God is our gracious pursuer. So you obey God's will because God is your gracious pursuer. Creator and pursuer, and third, God is your gracious Savior. God is your gracious Savior. Right? He didn't just create you and pursue you, pursued you, he saved you. He saved you. We see this in our text I am the Lord your God who brought you, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery out of the house of slavery. Uh, The Israelites, they were in bondage. They were in Egypt, in bondage to the Egyptians. They were oppressed by the Egyptians. They were abused by the Egyptians. And God came to them and pursued them and brought them out of slavery and gave them life and freedom. Dear friend, we were all slaves not in Egypt but we were slaves to sin we were slaves to sin we were in bondage to sin we were oppressed by sin we couldn't do otherwise we were in bondage we had to sin we were by our very nature enemies of God because we were in bondage to sin But God came, and through His Son Jesus Christ, He set us free. You were in bondage, a slave to sin, but now you are free in Christ. You are free in Christ, just like the Egyptians were freed from Egypt. You have been freed from sin in Christ Jesus john four thirty four through 36 jesus answered them truly truly i say to you everyone who practice sin is a slave to sin the slave does not remain in the house forever the son remains forever so it is with the son so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed You see, when we're enslaved to sin, we practice sin. We live in sin. We live in uh, habitual sin. But when Christ comes into our lives, when He frees us from sin, when He indwells us with His Holy Spirit, He changes our heart. He changes our desires. We no longer want to practice sin anymore. We no longer want to live in that life of habitual sin Oh yes, we still have our failings, right? We still have sin in our lives. We still still fall here and there. But but when we do, God is there to pick us back up again and to get us back on the road again. We have that desire to live for God. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure, Ephesians tells us. He's changed us so that we want what He wants. We desire what He desires. In Christ, we have been set free. You know, I've always heard this that pound, pups, pound puppies are, are often the be- make the best pets. Why? Because they have suffered a life of abuse. They've been in oppression and abusive uh, relationship, and and they they they've been deprived of love. But you go and you bring them out of a pound and you, you show them love and, and, and you care for them and they'll be your best friend, right? Dear friends, we were oppressed and abused by sin. Sin had us down and out. Christ Jesus came down into the mud and the muck and He drug us out of the mud and the muck and He brought us and He cleaned us up. He brought us into His house. He made us clean. He feeds us. He waters us. He gives us new life. Because of His loving grace, we ought to have a desire to live for Him and obey Him and and follow Him. After all, He loved us so much that He created us. He sustains us. He pursues us in a loving relationship. And He died on Calvary's cross to save us. My goodness. you think He'd have our best interest in heart, don't, wouldn't you? you? you think He might know what's best for us. If He's done all of that to show His love for us, to show us His mercy... So, as we surrender to Christ, we surrender to Him, knowing that it is out of love that He reveals His will to us. Out of love, He gives us His law. Out of love, He gives us these commandments. So that we might know the joy of living for Him and for his glory. Jesus says this or in John 15:14 through or John 15:12 through 14 This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you jesus christ laid down his life for you he died for you so that you might have freedom from sin and know the joy of life in him motives matter the best motive for obedience to god is god's amazing grace realizing the the wonder and the magnificence of god's grace that should be what what drives us and and the weeks ahead as we start digging into these laws the individual laws let us not lose god's amazing grace we're not studying these laws so that we can win favor with god we already have favor with god in jesus christ we don't have to win his favor Right? That's off the table. You don't have to win God's favor. You don't have to follow the laws to get into heaven. That's already been done. Jesus has already done it for you in your place. And He died for you in your place. That's been done. So why do we study the law? Why do we, we want to, to try to live in obedience to the law and mold our lives even around the law? God's law because god loved us he pursued us saved us and wants the best for us so we surrender to him and pursue him and live in obedience to his will obedience is not about making a good name for yourself Obedience is not about putting on a good show for others. Obedience is not about winning favor with God. God created you, pursued you, and saved you. Obedience to His will, to His Word, is a loving response to God's loving, amazing grace toward you. Motives matter. Make sure your motives are always grounded in god's grace oh heavenly father lord we thank you lord we thank you that you graciously created pursue and saved us thank you lord we just recognize right now that if had you not pursued us lord there would be no hope for us by our very nature we would be condemned we would be children of wrath of your wrath but in your loving grace through your son Jesus Christ Lord you pursued us in order to save us and to bring us into a relationship with you lord we thank you father as we continue on in this study and we learn uh, your law and and how it applies to us today in our time in our age then lord i pray that in all of this we would always remember to keep our obedience grounded in your grace We obey because you loved us and saved us. And Father, if there's any today listening to this message who've never trusted in in Christ, Lord, let them see the wonder of your grace. Receive Christ. And surrender to your will today. Lord, let them know the joy of your salvation. Pursue them. Pursue them. Don't let them go. But save them, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.